With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. There's a time and a place for black and white. Like when you're learning to play piano. Or when you want a big two-toned cookie. Or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white. So go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing. From banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 18 Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. Blog Talk Radio. Mama, I'm in fear for my life from the long arm of the Lord. We got miles to go before we sleep. Lawman is putting into my running, and I'm so far from my We will not go gently. Uh, we're going to unleash hell here in December. Oh, Mama, I can hear you crying. You're so scared and all alone. starting crew here. My name is Jeff Harbin. If you don't know me, I'm the editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. And with me always, my trusty sidekick co-host, Lance Williams, out in California. How's it going out in Cali, Lance? Doing well. They know you, Jeff. They know you very well. They may not know me, but they definitely know you. They should. If they've been around BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, they should know me. Now, before we get started with all the Pittsburgh Steelers talk, you can possibly stomach for this time of year. Let you know about our sponsors. The show is sponsored by Frank Walker Law, the top criminal defense firm to call in Western Pennsylvania and Northern West Virginia, and home to one of the nation's top 100 ranked trial attorneys in Frank Walker. But also, our second sponsor is sponsored by Centerfield Smoke. That is the best and the most unique Pittsburgh sports apparel provider for Pittsburgh fans everywhere. You can go to their website, centerfieldsmoke.com. All right, Lance, it's the offseason. It's the slow period. Everyone knows that. People are probably saying to themselves, what in the world are they going to talk about? Uh, well, we have a lot to talk about, actually, stuff that's just happening, stuff that happened maybe last week I want to get your opinion on. It's not going to be as long a show as normal, but if you want to call in, you can, 347-850-8581. Again, it's 347-850-8581. Right off the bat, I want to talk to you about something that Chris Carter and I talked about last week, and that was, I don't know if you followed the NFL Network's top 100 list, but they had Ben Roethlisberger, I want to say ranked 21st 
And we did the math on the show, and we figured out that basically they had players like Russell Wilson, Cam Newton, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, all ranked ahead of Ben Roethlisberger in terms of quarterbacks. My question for you is, what was your thought on the the, the ranking? Okay, and I know that you're not as big a homer as I am, but what was, what was your? Do you think that Russell Wilson and Cam Newton are better than Big Ben? Well, because I think Ben Roethlisberger is a top three quarterback, and that's Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger. I think Ben Roethlisberger being 21 might be around the right number, anywhere probably from 20 to about 15. But five quarterbacks being better than him, because I'm assuming it's Russell Wilson, Carson Palmer, Tom Brady, Cam Newton, and Aaron Rodgers. I'm assuming those are probably the five quarterbacks now. If anybody watched that NFC Championship game, does anybody want Carson Palmer? And <laughs> still, I'll contend to to most people that Russell Wilson is still a game manager to a large extent, and we'll see a lot in terms of what he's about as a passer now that Beast Mode has retired from the National Football League. But then at 21, or Ben being the sixth best quarterback in the National Football League is absurd. Yeah, and I tweeted this out on the Behind the Steel Curtain.com Twitter feed watching the NFC Championship game when you watch Carson Palmer imploding. And I know people will say, well, this ranking is going to encompass the entire season. It's not just one game. That's Carson Palmer in a nutshell right there. Choking when it matters the most. You can see those Bengal stripes starting to seep through that white helmet. You know, it just seemed like, look, this is Carson Palmer. All once a Bengal always a bangle. Once a bungle, always a bungle. Um, that was probably the one that – that was probably the one for me that I could not stomach. You say Russell Wilson's better. I could see that, you know. It's on a good team. He manages the game well. Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady are typically going to be considered more elite than Roethlisberger just by the style of offense they run in. The way that they play the game, it's very precise. It's not as backyardish as uh, Roethlisberger is. I get that. Cam Newton had a great year, went to the Super Bowl, um, MVP talk, all that stuff. Carson Palmer, man, I cannot – I'm sorry, I went off on this a little bit last week. I'll, I'll say it again. I, Carson Palmer, really? This guy's not – how old do you think? I mean, I don't know off the top of my head. You know how old Carson Palmer is? He's got to be up in his upper 30s, right? I think he's older than Roethlisberger, so I'm going to guess like 33, 34. Here's the funny thing okay. about Carson Palmer. What other quarterback do you know – and when you watch their games, the production crew has a pick six reel ready to go. When he throws a pick six, 30 <laughs> seconds later, they'll show you like nine pick sixes that he throws. They'll have it queued up. That's all I have to say. Um, they have it queued I'm up. Try- <laughs> I'm trying to think of another quarterback that might be in that realm of that, that, high, that rarefied air, so to speak, of at throwing so many pick sixes. Um, I can't think of one. Carson Palmer is the master at that. He's like the coup de grace of pick sixes. And I don't know. Uh, we'll leave it at that. I don't like the top 100 list. I don't like pro football focuses, top 100 list or top 100 players. I just think it's way too difficult to be able to look at a guy like Cam Chancellor and somehow compare him to a player like Marquise Pouncey. Now, they're two different ends of the spectrum two different positions. Both are considered to be dominant if they're, if they're healthy. How do you rank those players? That's what I don't get. I don't like this list. I think it's 
genius. It's absolutely genius that the NFL Network does this because guess what we're talking about in the end of June going into July in the dead period of the NFL offseason? We're talking about this stupid list, and that's what they want. Everyone's talking about it. So um, I, I think I saw that Josh Norman was ranked 11th. He wasn't even on the list last year. He went from not ranked all the way to 11th. That should tell you all you need to know about the ridiculousness of the uh, the list. So do you have anything else to say about Roethlisberger, the list in general? Are you ready to move on? I'll just say this. Steeler fans all across the world, because it's not Steeler Nation, it's Steeler Universe, are happy that they've got Big Ben number seven running to hell. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because, honestly, you saw what it looked like when Roethlisberger went down last year. If they have any, a prayer in, the, in 2016, it's going to be on the back of number seven, absolutely. Now, let's talk about something else that's been going on. Uh, and news continues to break every single time that you open up the, the web browser or if you are uh, old school and opening up the newspaper in the, in the city of Pittsburgh or in the area. And this is the situation with James Harrison. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, last year, middle of 2015, Peyton Manning was still injured, coming off rehabbing his foot and lower body injury, as they would call it in the NHL. And that was when the report came out that he was somehow linked to this, um, that distributed PEDs, performance-enhancing drugs, um, especially HGH, to specific players. Now, specific players were named in this report. Now, the report was recanted. Rumors were that Peyton Manning sent his thugs. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that would look like. But supposedly he sent his thugs to silence this guy and to tell him to recant the story, so he did. But the names that were listed were Peyton Manning, Julius Peppers, Clay Matthews. Clay Matthews and Peppers are both from the Green Bay Packers, and James Harrison of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, since that's happened, a lot has unfolded. Now the NFL is looking to interview all of these players, including Manning, by the way, even though he's retired. And James Harrison has been very vocal on social media about how, hey, you want to interview me? You come to my house, and I want Roger Goodell present. You know how he feels about Roger Goodell. He said he wouldn't piss on him if he were on fire. He can't stand the guy. But recently, I don't know if <laughs> you might want to. <laughs> you might want to wear some slickers or some galoshes or something, some Timberlands. I'm serious. <laughs> now, the, I don't know if you saw the report today on ProFootballTalk.com that stated that the NFL itself said that no suspension can be given out unless there is concrete evidence that this actually took place. So the fact that Harrison's never failed a test, he continues to pass all his tests, he's never missed a test, they said they cannot suspend him for that, but they can investigate on that. I don't get that. Uh, I wanted to get what your thoughts are on the whole situation, but more importantly, do you think this is even a distraction for Harrison himself or the Steelers organization, or do you think that, you know, it's the off season? Everyone's magnifying these minute details because it's the offseason. When I think about this whole issue, it has larger implications, political implications that I won't get into. I mean, we all know in this current climate, you know, we're struggling with uh, suspicion, and the suspicion alone on its face enables certain institutions to remove certain rights that you have based on suspicion alone and not guilt. And in the case of James Harrison and the National Football League, I think it's ridiculous for the National Football League to pursue this. I don't know if they are aware of Al Jazeera's investigative methods, but, but anything, it's just suspicion. Just because you have suspicion 
that's not guilt alone. And if he's passed every test that the NFL has required of him, then he's met the measure that the NFL has stipulated and put out there. So I don't think that they should do any further investigation based on some outside source. Now, in terms of is this a distraction, absolutely not. There's no football being played. And I went with a couple of guys that run some other Steeler websites. And to think that it may be a distraction, and it could be, who knows, but it's speculative in nature. I mean, the only way to judge it will be if his performance falls off, and you still might not be able to target that based on the issues that he went with or has gone through with the National Football League over the summer. But if Roger Goodell comes to his house, I implore anyone who's in the house at that time to turn on their device and Snapchat. Because I want to see how scared Roger Goodell would be. (laughs) Oh, man, that would be... Man, I would want to be a fly on the wall there or have some sort of surveillance equipment there because, man, that would be entertaining. I got to say this. I don't think there's a snowball chance in hell that Roger Goodell would come within 100 yards of James Harrison without a million people between the two of them. Um, I don't think there's any chance Goodell goes to his house um, I don't think there's any chance that the only way that he might communicate with him is via phone. James Harrison has been so vocal about his disdain for Roger Goodell. Why in the world would you ever do that? I don't get it. But um, I agree with you in terms of the distraction. This isn't a distraction. This is just something. This is a talking point for shows like ours, for uh, radio hosts across the nation that are fo- focusing on this nationally as well as locally in Pittsburgh, the 412 area code. Um, we, had a, we had a conversation last night. Um, this is before the, the report uh, came out. We have a new show that aired last night called Fact or Fiction. And one of the questions was, James Harrison will be suspended two games or more in 2015 for these allegations from the PEDs, uh, or, again, allegations. I use that closely. And I said that's fiction. I don't think that even if you were to see any type of litigation, it would be very stretched out. I think it would be Deflategate-esque, so to speak. Um, I think that ultimately – if he were to ever see any type of suspension, it wouldn't be in 2017. You don't see there being a possibility that he gets suspended for this, do you? I'm not an attorney, but it would seem hard to be suspended for not failing an NFL-mandated or performed test. You know, in terms of a drug policy, like it doesn't – He's yeah, not right. failing. He wouldn't have failed an NFL test. So I, it would be hard for me to see him being suspended. But let me ask you a question, Jeff. Yeah. When Peyton Manning sent his own investigative team to, quote, unquote, bully <clears throat> Al Jazeera's reporter, did they yell Omaha before they knocked him the door? <laughs> I don't think they were yelling Omaha. I think they had a few choice words for that individual and it was enough that the guy recanted his story pretty quick. Uh, it was like the next day, I think, that uh, he came out and said, uh, yeah, that story made it all up. I don't – this is tough for me to say, and I think we've talked about this before. HCH, human growth hormone, has not always been illegal in the NFL. 
okay? And I am would not be shocked, and I would not be mad or upset if I found out that James Harrison took HGH before it became illegal in the National Football League. He would not be alone. Trust me. I guarantee you before HGH was banned by the NFL, there were probably, I would say, upwards of 75% of players were taking that substance or a substance close to it. And so maybe this is where it stems from. Maybe his name gets tossed out because of something like that, a past usage before it was illegal. But like you said, Harrison's never failed a test, and that's going to make it very difficult for the NFL. And that's why uh, the NFLPA has been very vocal about this whole investigation is being really bogus. It kind of seems like they're hunting ghosts, um, and especially going after Peyton Manning. Even the guy's retired. What are you going to do to him? Um, you know, that's, that's going to be interesting to see. <laughs> yeah. Omaha, exactly, just Omaha. So enough uh, suspension talk. But I do have a question for you about something else, and I know I'm going to cut you off if you want to talk about James Harrison a little bit more. But news broke, and we talked about this briefly before we went on the air tonight. News broke today that Rolando McClain, who is uh, – uh, he's a, a very troubled young man, had issues coming out of college. Uh, he went to the Ravens for a short stint, retired from football. This is after his retirement from the Raiders. Then he found a home in Dallas, and he played well last year. But he was suspended for four games for, uh, for violating the league's substance abuse policy. He has reportedly violated it again. Now, this was verified by Adam Schefter and the Dallas Cowboys today. And he'll be suspended 10 games in 2016. So it was his second violation. I'm not the only one. People on Twitter reached out to us, uh, the Behind the Steel Curtain Twitter account. You can follow us, BT Steel Curtain. Um, and they're like, what, what is the deal? Because this smells fishy, because Martavis Bryant, from what we understood, we know that he entered the league in the policy. So he had some type of issue in college with marijuana, probably. And so then he goes in the NFL. He gets busted again. He gets four games. He doesn't take tests, missed tests, failed tests, whatever the case may be. They all add up to the same thing. But then he gets a year. Aren't we missing a step somewhere, Lance? Does this smell to you, or is this just like, well, it's just the way it is? I, I was trying to comb through the policy when we were talking, you know, a few uh, minutes ago, and I, I'm trying to find where it jumps. I've seen where you can get 10 games. I, I didn't see – the year, I mean, I have to look at it a little more closely, uh, but it does seem very interesting. I mean, I knew it a lot better when we were talking about it during the time, but it does seem as if they both, you know, maybe Martavis was in another stage of the policy than McLean because he came into the league in the, in the program. And so maybe that's the reason why he got a year as opposed to 10 games. I I hear that. But at the same time, wouldn't that mean that his first suspension would have been escalated? Like This is what doesn't make sense to me. If he's in the, if he's in the system prior to coming into the NFL and he gets a violation, well, shouldn't he then already be on that first step of that four games already and then go to 10? Or you're going to have a six, I think, in there. And then you progress through. I just don't get this. I would love to see. I'm sure that it will probably be reported by whether it's someone like Ed Shed or Mark Cavalli at the Tribune Review as to why exactly there's a difference. But I'm, I'm real anxious to see because, for me, this doesn't make sense. This is not apples to apples when you're comparing these two cases. I get that. But at the same time, the new policy, and I remember reading it like you did, 
seemed to be very cut and dry about you do this, you get this, you do this, you get this. And then eventually you get into that Josh Gordon era, whereas you're indefinitely suspended until the commissioner deems that you are able to come back and play in the National Football League again. So if you have the time, Lance, and you find it, please let us know. But in the meantime, it just it just stinks to me. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but it just doesn't make sense. You know, the policy is probably about 50 pages. A lot of legalese, you know, it's easily can be found out there. Maybe we'll have CC, our new lawyer, comb through it where he could break it down for us. Uh, but, but, yeah, it does seem to be a little bit different. And I know there was some nuance when we were talking about it in the past where I think a lot of different sites or a lot of different people confused uh, the suspensions. But, yeah, it, it seems weird. It seems as if he would have gotten 10 games, but, you know, maybe not. I'm sure he wasn't suspended you know, incorrectly in terms of the suspension or the punishment. But, you know, the one thing I will say is, at least the Steelers have Sammy Colts in the fold who could possibly step in and, and mitigate some of the loss of Martavis Bryant. And a quick sidebar that most people don't realize, the actual verbiage in the suspension of Martavis Bryant states that he is indefinitely suspended. He's not – it's not one year guaranteed. He's going to have to go through an evaluation process with Roger Goodell and his whole crack crew of idiots in, at the NFL headquarters to try to figure out whether he's going to be reinstated. After 2016, now most people are assuming that it will happen. The verbiage in the, in the suspension does not say so. But you just brought up an interesting name that I wanted to talk about a little bit, and that was Sammy Coates. Um, now, Lance, I don't know how closely you read the website, uh, the, the sign, com. I've been doing these 30 scenarios a few days ago. I want to say it was, let me see here, Tuesday. We were 30 days away from a training camp starting for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I do a 30 Steelers scenario in that's a mouthful. Easy for me to say. 30 Steelers scenarios <laughs> in 30 days. And I did one on Sandy Coates, and I said, and basically, if you've seen the articles, I write the article, I give the scenario, I say why it'll happen, why it won't happen in my prediction. My scenario was Sandy Coates will catch 800 yards receiving or more in 2016. I want to see what you think about that that scenario. And I'll tell you what I said afterwards. What do you think? 800 yards or more? Yeah, uh, in 2015. Are there, are, are there children listening to the show? Not right now. Hell no. Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> no way. No way. No way. Not a snowball. I agree. I agree. No way. Absolutely not. No way in the world he catches up to 800 balls. I mean, 800 yards. Well, let's, oh, if he caught 800 well, let's balls, he'd have like seven hands. But. <laughs> if, if he goes 800 yards, that means that something else is going on in the offense, whether that's Antonio Brown goes down, I just knocked on wood for those that are superstitious, um, whether Le'Veon Bell gets hurt, knocked on wood again. Um, something else has to happen. I don't think there's any way that he's going to go for over 800 yards. I think I said that his line, if, his, if he was 400 or more, cut that number in half, I would say that he's had a heck of a season because I think you're going to have very similar numbers between Coates and Darius Hayward Bay, and you can correct me if you think I'm wrong. And then I think Marcus Wheaton should be around the 1,000-yard uh, mark, and we know that Antonio Brown, if he's healthy, he could be vying for the 2,000-yard receiving record uh, in the NFL. Is that how you see that kind of uh, 
diddying yourself out in 2016 amongst the white Yeah, people? I mean, yeah, I mean, you got to add green in the mix, too. And last year, Martavis had 50 catches for 765 yards. And that's a ridiculous yard catch just because he is who he is at six touchdowns. So, you know, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's going to have to, to get 800 yards, he's going to have to catch more than 50 balls. And, and I just can't see that with uh, Le'Veon catching some balls out of the backfield as well as the receiving threats that you mentioned. I just don't see it. You know, if he has a 35-catch season for about 450, that's probably good in three touchdowns. I mean, something like that. No, I agree. I agree. Now, I have a couple more scenarios I want to, talk, I want to run by you to see what you think. Um, the first scenario that I did was, let me find it here on the website. I know it's here somewhere. Okay, Le'Veon Bell. We know his knee injury history, the injury he suffered in the final game in 2014 against the Bengals, uh, the, the same, the in, torn MCL and PCL in his, in his knee against the Bengals in week eight of 2015. My scenario was that Le'Veon Bell will return to form, so to speak, and have over 2,000 all-purpose yards in 2016. Do you think that comes to fruition, or do you think that that is a little much for a guy coming off a pretty serious knee injury that had to be surgically repaired in the offseason? I hate to be a doubting Thomas, because faith is important for all our people out there that have faith and Christians and Muslims and everybody out there. But no way. I don't have to apply faith in football. No way in the world he gets 2,000 all-purpose. He hasn't stayed healthy all season. And if you haven't stayed healthy and played his entire season and it's the running back position, there's no reason for me to think that you are. So I don't think he goes for 2,000 all-purpose. No way in the world. Well, you make it sound like this guy hasn't done it in years. He did it in 2014. He had over 2,000 all-purpose yards. He almost caught, I think, at 854 receiving yards. And he had uh, 1,300 rushing yards. Um, if he's 100% healthy, I'm going to say it now, if he's 100% healthy and can play even 15 games, I think he's going to be able to do this. I don't think there's, there's no reason why he wouldn't. Remember, that, just think back. I mean, 2015 is glaring for a lot of people, and it's right in our memory. But uh, at the same time, 2014, he was Ben Roethlisberger's go-to guy with things right down. I have no reason to think that that would change. And I don't think they're going to divvy up the, the workload between he and the Angela Williams that much in 2016. Ability-wise, he can do it. My question is just really stay healthy. I mean, that's it. If he's healthy, he can do anything. He could probably fly on a football field, actually put on a tape, jump up and fly on the air. He's so incredible. I've been doing my seasonal rewatch, and I'm about halfway. I just finished with the Cincinnati Bengal game this week where he got hurt. I mean, Le'Veon's a monster. It's just a matter of health. And, in fact, you know, and looking at this Steelers season, 2016-2017 season, I mean, people talk about what needs to happen for the Steelers to get that seventh championship, and it might just be as simple as Le'Veon stay healthy. So, if he stays healthy, he can do it. He just hasn't stayed healthy. So, that's the only reason why I'm saying no. Well, you just watched the Bengals game when he got hurt, right? Yes. Was the hit dirty? That hit was absolutely intentional. He was trying to hurt Le'Veon Bell. Absolutely. I've watched it several times over and over and over again, 
And I think Vontez Burfick was trying to hurt Le'Veon Bell. He absolutely was trying to hurt him on that tackle. If by chance this is your first time listening to the show, you need to understand that even though we're both Steelers fans, Lance is as far far from a homer as it gets. When we get into the regular season and we pick games, he only picks against Pittsburgh. Sometimes I think he hates the Steelers. But um, <laughs> so him saying that, you saying that, I mean, I'm honest, you saying that means something to me in terms of where you think it stood in terms of was it clean, was it dirty, all that stuff. Okay, I have one more scenario for you. I'm going to be putting up a new one tomorrow, but this is the one I ran today. And I wanted, this, is, this is defense. This is right at your alley. Okay, and the scenario is that Cameron Hayward will lead the team in sacks for the third straight year in 2016. Now, in 2014, he tied with Jason World at seven and a half. In 2015, he led with seven sacks. Stephon Tewitt was second with six and a half. Do you think Cameron Hayward will lead the team in sacks for the third straight year this season? No. I think Bud Dupree is going to have a buffed-out year and get the Steelers double-digit sacks. I think he'll get the Steelers 10 sacks next this season. I think Bud Dupree will have a buffed-out year. He can, really. I mean, we, have, we as in the Steelers haven't had a double-digit sack. I, I want to say someone with double-digit sacks since maybe 2010, 2011. It's been almost five years. Do you think Dupree's ready? Do you think he's ready to break out? I think he's going to break out. But I'm more confident in saying that Jarvis Jones will not get double digit attacks. Now, I'm those pretty, that have I'm not listened to this certain of that. Oh, hold on. <laughs> those that have not listened to the show before, you should know that although Lance is not a homer, he is a Jarvis Jones hater. He hates Jarvis Jones. He calls him every possible nickname that has the word bust in it. I think he's called him Bust the Rhymes at one point. Maybe. I don't know. I know you would like that. I know you'd like that. Okay. Uh let's uh let's take a quick break from the action. We're gonna hear a word from our sponsor, Frank Walker Law. Smart or stupid? Those strobing lights in your rear view, that flashlight shining in your face? License, registration, and insurance, please. The little adventure you're about to have with this guy? Uh, I'll need you to step out of the vehicle, please. Okay, so you've done something stupid. Fix it with a smart move. For DUI or criminal defense, call Frank Walker of FrankWalkerLaw.com. He knows his way around a courtroom. 412-532-6805. 412-532-6805 or FrankWalkerLaw.com. All right, Lance. Now, the show's going to be a little bit shorter. We thank Frank Walker for sponsoring the show, as well as Centerfield Snokes. You can check out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com tomorrow to see the show in podcast form. And we'll have all of the, our sponsors' information there and links and all that good stuff. Um, the last thing I want to talk about, unless we get a caller, which so far we haven't, that's fine. It's the off season. I want to talk to you a little bit about Mike Wallace. Mike Wallace, uh, we're talking not about the 60 minutes reporter. We're talking about the wide receiver that used to play for the Steelers now finds a home with the Baltimore Ravens. He's been in the news a lot recently, just after a, 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 I think a lot of people misquoted him, so to speak. The, in the ESPN.com article stated that he felt that he was better now than he ever has been in his career, and that included in Pittsburgh. Um, I don't think that there's anything malicious with the comment. I think that that's him just trying to say, new team, new faces, I'm here to play, I want to win. Um, that's what I would expect from anybody. And, but, of course, Steelers fans see this, and they get all up in arms. 
How can you say that? Joe Flacco's not as good as Roethlisberger, blah, blah, blah. The Panties get in a bunch. All that stuff happens. But it's become a talking point, uh, especially in the slow months, as we call it. What were your thoughts on the entire situation? I'm sure you heard about it. And do you think that Mike Wallace could be a more complete receiver now than even when he was with Ben Roethlisberger early in his career coming out of Ole Miss? I mean, I would hope he's better. I mean, he's played a lot longer. I don't know if he, I, I, I was a Mike Wallace fan. I was always a Mike Wallace guy. Uh, full disclosure, I thought they should have re-signed Mike Wallace, and I was I thought the Antonio Brown signing was a bad signing at the time. I got it wrong. Hey, we all do. That's probably the best wide receiver or best contract, a value contract for a superstar in the National Football League. They got it right. I didn't know what I was talking about. But I don't really think Mike Wallace is any different than he was in Pittsburgh. I mean, he's a dynamic guy, straight line speed that's freakish. I've seen Mike Wallace live, and to see him make up a 15-yard cushion on the guy is something to behold. But he's the same guy. He just played with Teddy Bridgewater. Now, I, I think – and Ryan Tannehill. Now, I think he'll be better because he's playing with a better quarterback than Joe Flacco. But I don't think you're going to see Mike Wallace run the route tree all of a sudden when he's with the Ravens. Well, well, you know what? Um, what this kind of reminds me of, and it's an article that if you haven't checked it out, Lance, I urge you to. Um, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com has, has merged a really good partnership with the Pittsburgh, uh, Pittsburgh Sports Daily Bulletin. And this, the guy that runs that site, has over 400 interviews with former Steelers. He just published a book with all the interviews, actually. And we run one a week. And the one we just ran today, um, I'm sorry, not today, but this week, was a, an interview with um, with Troy Edwards. I'm sure you remember him, right? Um, yeah, he was a first-round pick. First-round first pick, correct. And he talked very candidly about his time in Pittsburgh, um, and a lot of people, I think, time they, they think about, well, a guy like that's never going to blame – he's going to blame everyone else, the quarterback, the coordinator, the coach, uh, whatever it may be. If you haven't read it, read it. It's a great read. Um, he blamed himself. He said he was stubborn. When he came into the NFL, he didn't know how to play the game. He didn't know how to play wide receiver. He said he didn't learn that until he went to St. Louis and was with Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt later in his career. But he said ultimately it wasn't Pittsburgh's fault. It was the fault, the fact of the matter that he himself didn't want to listen to guys like Hines Ward, didn't want to listen to the coaching staff. He kind of wanted to freestyle. Knew his own. I kind of feel that is the same mentality of Mike Wallace. Mike Wallace was that on-the-man type guy. And I think there's a little bit of that in every receiver. Well, let's be honest. They're all diva receivers in one way or another, especially the big-name players. And everyone that wants to say, well, not Antonio Brown. No, no, not A.B. Go back and watch the film of Antonio Brown when Ben Roethlisberger was hurt in 2015. You saw him throwing his arms in the air. He was throwing little hissy fits on the sideline. He's got that diva wide receiver in him, trust me. I know you've seen it, Lance, but a lot of people kind of ignore it. Um, Antonio Brown. Go ahead. Antonio Brown wrote his name on his vehicle. (laughs) <laughs> if that isn't diva, I don't know what else. Where he's screaming, me, 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 with 
personalized plate. So how can you write yep. your name on your car and have personalized <laughs> plates if you don't want people to know who you are? That's deep. Absolutely. Yeah. And all the great ones have that in them. I think the only one that I can think of that maybe didn't, Marvin Harrison didn't really have that in him. But even Jerry Rice, you know, he was a very demanding receiver. He wanted the football thrown his way. Um, it just is a, it comes with the territory. You think about Torello and Dez Bryant in Dallas now. Um, they all have that. And it's Mike Wallace is well, part of the course. But the last, the last thing I want to say, and then I'll give you the floor here, Lance, is about Mike Wallace is that a lot of people are really angry about this whole situation uh, they're bitter about the way he left and how he held out. And now no, they're fine with the fact that Antonio Brown got his contract. But they liked Mike Wallace. And, and I, I'm glad that Chris Carter today did a, a throwback Thursday film room where he actually went back and found some great plays that Mike Wallace made as a Steeler. He was a lot of fun to watch. I'm sorry. You, you can say what you want. Call me a traitor because he doesn't play for the Steelers anymore. I liked Mike Wallace a lot. I thought that he and Ben Roethlisberger had a great before, I mean, Roethlisberger knew how to just throw it up. You throw it up, and he'll fall and find a way to bring it down. I think the plays that he picked were the the huge touchdown, I want to say, like 96 yards against Arizona. In Arizona, that was a big touchdown. Um, and then there was a, another catch and run that he had. I forget which game, but the last one was the game. That, in my opinion, when I think Mike Wallace, I think of Green Bay Packers, no time left, touchdown, end of the game. What do you think? I mean, I'll just say this. He was drawing double coverage. He was getting safety help over the top every single play, drawing double coverage. He's one of the reasons why, from a coverage perspective, he allowed both Sanders and A to work one-on-one pretty consistently. He put up monster numbers for the Steelers, historic numbers for the Steelers in, what, four years. I mean, he caught probably close to you know, 18, 19 yards per reception. I mean, Mike Wallace came in first game against Tennessee as a rookie and made big catches. He played quality football for the Steelers to the point where they were negotiating to make him possibly one of the most highest-paid receivers in the National Football League. But let me jump back to the issue of Martavis Bryant's drug suspension, and I found some information on a website called it's it's C-A-S-H cannabis.com C-A-S-H-I-N-B-I-S.com so take it for what you want it may not be a credible source I I think the information is solid and it details the breakdown of penalties for being testing positive for marijuana and we're assuming that all of the issues with Martavis Bryant are marijuana because I think with cocaine and other harder illicit drugs, I think the suspensions are different, if if I'm not mistaken. The first infraction, you're in the program. The second infraction, you can get a two-game fine, and you can play. The third infraction, a four-game fine, and you can play unpaid. That's the same thing with the second infraction. The fourth infraction is a four-game suspension, and the fifth infraction is ten games. So, if Martavis got a year, he may have been popped for the sixth time. That's what that would imply. Yeah, a reader on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com put in our comment section of the, the primer for this show that he had heard that um, 
anyone that misses a test. Because let's be honest, that's what the report was that missed test. Yeah, you can miss a test. Miss a, a missed test, test is a fail. Yeah, is a failed test, and that they actually weigh that on us more. But there had to be something going on. Now it doesn't have to become public knowledge until a player is officially suspended. I just don't know. It just still doesn't add up. I hear what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. I think that's right. I think that's correct. I remember reviewing that when Martavis Bryant was initially suspended both in 2015 and then after the season. But it just doesn't add up because we're missing a step. We're missing the 10 games. And maybe he missed multiple tests, which is what was reported, actually, come to think of it. They said that you know, he missed multiple tests. If they say that one test right. is a fail and you don't report, then then there's your 10 right. games. You don't go to the next right. one. Well, there's that, another fail. There's, then there's you go to your 15. So, okay, right. so that right. might make that's sense. Probably, right. I appreciate you looking that's that That's probably up. how it happened. Yeah, that's probably how it happened. Right. Just didn't get, there wasn't a report for the 10-game suspension because he probably missed another test in a close proximity, and so it just went to a year. Yeah, Absolutely. So, uh, Lance, you need a soapbox here. Uh, I've covered really everything I wanted to cover. We wanted to keep the show a little bit on the shorter side tonight anyways. It's the off season. Um, anything you want to talk about in particular? As I Every year I do a seasonal rewatch just to kind of brush up on the entire season to see if what I remember is accurate. And in looking at this team and going through the first eight games, think of this, Steeler fans. This is a team that suffered significant injuries to Ben Roethlisberger, to Le'Veon Bell, to Pouncey, suspensions to Martavis Bryant, etc. This team still went ten and six, won a playoff game, down to two backup rookie running backs, and still should have probably beaten Denver on the road to get to the AFC Championship. I keep looking at it, and I keep going through in my mind and asking myself, what do the Steelers need to do in 2016, 2017 to get that seventh ring? And honestly, it might not be very much. It might simply be getting a little bit of good luck and staying healthy. They're that good on the offensive side of the football, even without Martavis Bryant, to where they're going to win a lot of football games and they're going to be in the mix. You get a little bit some steady, steady secondary play. If they stay healthy and with Tom Brady suspended for four games due to deflate gate, the Steelers could be in the mix. I think they're going to definitely be in the mix. So I think the ingredient for getting that seventh Lombardi is simply being healthy. You know, it's funny that you say that because there was an article that I'm going to be writing for the website pretty soon. I was going to probably run it this weekend possibly. And the title of it was going to be, Is, is Staying Healthy Enough? And like, Is that it? Is that all that it takes? If the Steelers just stay healthy, and you're going to have injuries, but if you avoid that big injury – the Roethlisberger's done for four weeks. Le'Veon Bell plays five games and is done for the year. Marquise County never dresses in the regular season. If you avoid those injuries, is that enough? Are they good enough, in your opinion, defensively, in the secondary especially, in the front seven, mind you, that they can win a Super Bowl if they just stay healthy? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, 
That's what I'm saying. I mean, if you if they get the turnover numbers and the sack numbers that they got last year, and if they just stay healthy, I think they're good enough to make a run. I mean, hell, they were good enough to beat, almost beat the eventual NFL champion on the road. Unless, you know, if they don't fumble, they probably win that game. And that's with the much maligned defense that was oft criticized by myself and many others last year. That played yeah. fantastic football in the playoffs against both Cincinnati. Now, I know they went up against a backup quarterback in Cincinnati and a quarterback that was, you know, Omaha, you know, was missing a couple of vowels. His arm strength just wasn't there. But they yeah. still paid Manning won a Super Bowl. They're good enough. They're absolutely good enough. Now, New England's always going to be in the mix. They'll somehow figure out how to go 3-1 and one with Brady out four games or somehow Brady will, you know, dodge this suspension again. But, yeah, the Steelers are in the mix. I think the Steelers are going to be very good next year. And I, and I think it will be just them staying healthy and avoiding those big injuries. I agree. I can't. Can't disagree with that. And that's kind of the sentiment that I have. I think that's a sentiment across Steeler Nation. And we're only a few weeks away from this thing getting started. Um, so it was a shorter show. That's what we wanted. 45 minutes was the length of us targeting for. It's right on the dot. Uh, Lance, I appreciate your time. I hope that your back is recovering uh, well. You slipped a disc picking up a pair of socks. That speaks volumes <laughs> about your athleticism and nimbleness. Uh, but hopefully you're on the mend. Do you want to try to defend yourself because you hurt your back picking up socks? Do you want to try to say, look, it was a, it was a small pair of socks or it was down the step? I mean, try to try to make yourself not sound pathetic by the fact that you hurt yourself picking up socks. Well, I can just say this. My back is in <laughs> bad shape from exercising a lot. That's the one thing they never yeah, tell yeah. you. They don't they don't sell recovery videos. They tell you to go get the exercise tape and all of this. They don't give you any pointers on how to recover. I'm sorry, I'm just I'm just picturing you hurt your back. It's almost like Sammy Sosa when he hurt his back sneezing when he played for the Cubs. Uh it's just one of the things that's just always funny in this still. Uh Anyways, Lance, uh, to let you go, I appreciate the time. It was good to have you back on the show, as always. Uh, folks, we'll probably be back next week, uh, in which case we'll be one week closer to training camp. As always, we thank Frank Walker Law and Centerfield Smoke as our sponsors. Make sure you check out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com for all your best Pittsburgh Steelers news every single day of the week. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. 
I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. Smart.